Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode. Almost, actually, this is the first episode of the fall. So it's almost that time of year where you want to summon the good and evil, if not evil, because you just don't know what the hell you're going to be doing. Like the Ouija board shit, which you never want to touch because everybody gets it wrong. Anyway, summoning <laughs> to my help is none other than the lovely fiance, Tessa Baker. Hello, everybody. And then tonight's special demonic guest that had to be summoned from the blood in the woods comes J.P. Willie or Joe Willie. Welcome aboard. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Oh, God. I think we summoned the wrong devil, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Joe, how, how's it going where you are? You said it was hot as balls or something like that. What was it? Yeah, it was hot as Satan's fucking garage down here in Louisiana today. I wish I had some of that fall weather that you guys and gals have up there in Vermont where you're at. So. No, I hear you. Uh, I hear you. I'm it, about sick of it. And I'm about sick of it. I'm about sick of the, the south and the heat. <laughs> Well, come up to the East Coast and have bonfires and stuff, and you'll be good. Maybe you can even, like, summon more things in the woods or whatever, because there's nothing but Green Mountains here. I, I mean, uh, I'm not trying to say anything like that, wink, wink. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, Joe, thank you so much for joining. Um, and for everybody listening, that this is uh, part one of, part two that we're going to be doing with Joe here because we wanted to clarify a couple things because I don't know if our other special guest is going to be ringing in tonight or not. So if we all of a sudden start hearing somebody else talking out of the blue, then yeah, our special guest arrived. If not, then we're going to just take it uh, day by day, I guess, or uh, a ritual by month or something. I don't know. However, it works. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Joe, with, um, for those that are listening and may not know who you are, uh, would you mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Joe Willie. I, I write under the pen name JP Willie. Uh, I'm an author, uh, active duty soldier, serving in the United States Army, currently stationed here in Fort Polk, Louisiana, and I'm also a producer and director in the independent film arena. Uh, my first novel was Blood in the Woods. It uh, was written in 2010. It was finally published in 2017 by Hellhelm Books, uh, Hellbelm Books Publishing, um, a great independent company out of Houston, Texas. And I have two films currently filming right now, Cry Baby Bridge, a Louisiana urban legend, and Welcome Home Rougarou, which is based off a short story of mine that reached number five on short reads on Amazon.com. And starting January, February next year, I'll be filming a film adaptation of Stephen King's Popsy uh, via the Dollar Baby project, film project. So it's going to be pretty, I got a pretty busy year uh, coming up and the five, this Finishing the rest of this year out in the beginning of next year is going to start off with a bang. Most certainly sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Better have uh, all that um, extra 
him off and everything else that you possibly need just to get things done right and not the way Hollywood does it nowadays. Maybe we might talk about that. Uh, yeah, so Joe, you mentioned um, your short story, which was, I believe, your first uh, published work in a way. Um, it was only available by digital, The Welcome Home. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and the other two people that you worked with, which was... Um, Joey Brana and Katie... Just, just, Justice or... Justice. Justice. Yeah, Katie Justice. Um, Welcome Home Rougarou is the first piece of flash, flash fiction that I self-published on Amazon. I put it up there just because I wanted some other type of literature like attached to my name besides for the novel that I got out there. So I quickly wrote it within like a couple like days, maybe like two days. It might have been like a day and a half. Not sure. So I reached out to my friend, Katie Justice. She's a old soldier of mine. She got out of the military, a really smart girl, and just did some simple edits to the story, which is like only like a thousand words long. You can't even finish like a cup of coffee and, and, and it's over. And we put it up there and Joey Brana did the artwork. He's an amazing graphic artist and friend that I have here in Louisiana. He's done the cover for my novels, uh, well, for my novel, Blood in the Woods, because there have been like two editions of it out. He's done both the artwork for that. He's done the artwork uh, cover for Welcome Home Rougarou for the short story. And he's also done all my film uh, artwork for the movie posters for Cry Baby Bridge and Welcome Home Rougarou, all that we finished filming in November. So he's an extremely talented guy. They're great people, and I was glad to work with him and I was really just happy they were able to help me bring that short story to, you know, Amazon for readers to check out. Because we only have, like, one fucking thing out there. Like, you know, you don't really have any credibility. And still, I'm, I'm still trying to earn credibility as, a, as an author, you know, to my name. So I just want to have it out there. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think I could have got it out, you know. So I'm really thankful that they, you know, let that happen. So great people. Nice. Now... Unfortunately, it looked like whoever put it on Amazon forgot to put in a description. So what's like a short version or an idea of Welcome Home? Yeah, Welcome Home Rougarou. Like, everybody says Welcome Home because if you're not from the South, you don't know what a Rougarou is. <laughs> but That's the, pretty uh, much why I'm not pronouncing it. <laughs> yeah, but people are like, Rougarou, Rougarou. I'm like, no, motherfucker, it's Rougarou. Like, but I forget that everybody's... No, nah, it's not. It's not Rougarou. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. werewolf. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's the, I, I mean, the Rougarou, yeah, the Rougarou is the southern werewolf. It's Louisiana's own version of the werewolf. So the short story uh, centers on a couple and their son, Sherman and Kathy Thibodeau, and their son, Pete. Uh, who returns home from a hunting accident that he had on the outskirts of Lake Pontchartrain hunting a small game, which was like rabbits uh, as such. And he comes home and something about him has changed. And if the legends are true, things won't be the same. Ooh, I like how I spun that. I think I'm I got to make sure I, I got to remember that, put that in the description if it's not on there. So uh, that was but, pretty that was good. good. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I like that. that was, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I mean, that's what it's about. And um, I mean, I'm a huge fan, of course, of horror. That's what I enjoy writing. Dark fiction, horror, suspense, you know, supernatural, psychological thrillers. Uh, but Rougarou, I, in all my works, there's always a, it's more than horror, like, uh, especially like with my novel, Blood in the Woods. And with Welcome Home Rougarou, the story is really about acceptance and accepting someone for who they are, even if you 
you know, don't like it or not. Like, it's really about acceptance. And the short story went up in it, you know, it reached number five. And that sort of blew me away. I was like, wow. I was like, okay. You know, it's got some great reviews. I think it's got five stars. Only like three people have reviewed it. I mean, I don't know telling how many have read it. I mean, quite a bit. But, you know, as a indie author, you know, we see our sales, you know, from our publisher and stuff. And all the books that I've sold, you know, with Blood in the Woods, if that many people have reviewed the book, I'd have like a thousand, at least a thousand reviews or something. And, you know, with Welcome Home Ruru, it's the same way. If more people, you know, read it, like review it. I'm not, to me, I don't think it's a five-star story. And I wrote it because uh, it was just a very quick piece to write just to have something else out there. But what I was really excited about with Welcome Home Ruru was taking it to film. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I was really excited about, you know, taking it to film because I was able to add to the story and really just grow upon it, you know, the way that I couldn't when I just hurried up and pumped something out to self publish it and give readers something else to read in case they didn't want to read a novel. Now, so go ahead. Uh, uh, just real quick, so since since it's based on your short story and it's coming to a film, now are we looking at a short horror film or are we talking like like a normal length film? No, it's it's going to be a short horror film. It'll range anywhere between probably ten to fifteen minutes, uh, most likely. Uh, how the script's written, so. Nice. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. We're gonna put it in the film festivals, and we're gonna uh, win. I have an outstanding cast. Uh, Mr. Joey Alonzo out of New Orleans. He's been in NCIS. Um, you know, he's had a lot of small time roles. The guy's a great actor. He has so much potential. And I have Miss Lily Von Kiss, who is a theater actress. This is her first time ever doing any type of film work. Uh, she uh, is from Louisiana, from Lafayette, and she's part Cajun, French, so she has the dialect and everything. And we're also working with Mr. Adam Hensley, who is in a couple of Netflix shows. I know one of them was um, When You Were Waiting or something. It's that guy from that fucking uh, show. What's it? Uh, the Workaholics. You know what guy I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Mm. No. He's really fucking funny, dude. And he's a really funny guy. So Adam got to be in that movie. And um, he's a. Uh, Adam is normally really into like drama and you know all that type of stuff you know and like action he's very athletic he doesn't really ever do horror movies but like i said like with all my works there there's a major horror element in everything you're going to read from me or you know something extremely dark or you know sinister but you know welcome home Ruguru really focuses on you know acceptance that is the key word and the theme to the film and also to the short story is acceptance so you see more drama than you do horror, you know, even within the script, even though there is a lot of horror, but uh, that's why Adam, you know, signed on to do the film because he just really enjoyed the drama piece to it and the intensity that surrounds that family. So uh, I can't wait to film it in November and I can't wait to have it out sometime next year. I think horror fans are really going to get a kick out of it. Nice. I can't wait. Now, where is it going to be available once it gets released? Do you have an idea yet? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna work it. I can't really tell you how I'm going to do it. I know I'm not going to charge for anything. These are, these are independent films. You know, I have some amazing cast members and, and crew that, that I work with. And they do this all because they believe, just one, an independent film. 
And two, they believe in, in what I'm doing. And, you know, they've worked with me. I got a great reputation as an independent director and, you know, and writer. And, and I want to keep that going. And uh, I'm pretty sure that once, you know, we all sit down because I believe it's a, it's a team effort. A film is a team effort. I'm not like some prima donna. You know, I'll sit down with the cast and crew and we'll come up with a date and how we want to do it. We'll probably, you know, put it on YouTube, have like a Vimeo release, you know, and just really keep it open for fans to, you know, check it out because not everyone can make it, you know, out to film festivals. So, um, yeah, I'll submit it and we'll get it in there. And there's no doubt in my mind that we will win. And we'll, I don't know what categories we will win in, but we will win. So I'm, I'm that confident in just the cast and the crew. Uh, you know, from Welcome Home, Rougarou. I mean, we actually have uh, Miss Crystal Kershaw, who worked on Frank Darabont's The Mist. That was based off Stephen King's uh, short uh, short story. And she actually worked on the Twilight uh, Saga as a makeup artist. And she really get and she loved the script. And, you know, she worked with us on my other film, Cry Baby Bridge. And she's coming back for Welcome Home, Rougarou in November. And she gets to bring to life a certain character. I won't say who it is in the film you're gonna to have to go see it and check it out when it comes out but i'm really excited to see her work and she's really excited to do it and um i mean i just wish i was you know a, a real hollywood guy you know because I, I would pay these people like for all the great work they do but in the independent film arena like just doing independent film there's so many passionate people and i couldn't do it without them and i'm forever just grateful to them well that's awesome and it sounds like um this whole entire setup deal with this independent stuff is everybody should be having a good time when it comes to filming. And it seems like it's not going to be for lack of better way of putting it. It's like not fun. Like, I mean, I don't know exactly how Hollywood really works. But... No, you're correct. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. I've had, uh, cause, uh, Crystal, she's been on several big, you know, major movie like productions. I believe she's also, Matthew McConaughey's makeup assistant at one point for a while. Uh, you know, I talked to her not, uh, about a week ago for about an hour and a half. And I didn't even know these things about her, you know, because we had only worked for that one night together on Crybaby, the film. And uh, she was just very impressed with it, just like, you know, how organized everything was and how, you know, we ran everything. And from directing to the actors, actors, how well done it was. And it really impressed her. And I was really you know, excited to hear that coming from someone who's in the big time movies, you know, have done a lot of big things. And, and, you know, you're right. And I heard it from her and many other people that's been on bigger productions. Like I've talked to guys that have worked on Salem when it was still on. It depends on who your director is and what atmosphere or, or like what mood they bring to that set. But on any of my sets that you're with, uh, you know, at the indie scene, it's going to be a blast. And we have a good fucking time. I like to break the ice. We like to laugh. We cut up. We got blooper reels. It, it, you've got to keep it fun because that is the job that I want to do when I retire from the military in two years, because I'm still serving is I want to do a job that I love for the rest of my life. And I want people to see my work and I want them to see my potential. And I want them to give me a shot because if you give me a shot, I'm going to fucking knock it out of the park because it's not just one person that's doing it. I can only imagine, you know, bringing these talented people that are in Hollywood or making these big time things and just bringing them into some of the things that I'm doing and see what they're capable of, you know, but I have that with Crystal on Welcome Home Rougarou, as well as a effects group of makeup artist, Miss Tara, uh, who's coming out of Florida that I had worked with before, too. They're going to be doing a lot of the creature, you know, prosthetics and all kind of stuff like that. They're phenomenal, too. And they're working on a lot of big budget films as well. So I think this film has a lot of 
potential behind it, and we really just got to deliver. It's time to just put up or shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can I just say thank you for your service, sir? Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'll I'll be right there with Tessa. Thank you for your service. So much love and respect for you, really. Thank you, thank you, and we and believe it, believe me, we soldiers love you guys and gals who who thank us, even though we might, you know, be a little disgruntled sometimes to be like, oh, like that, like when you thank us. <laughs> that's us saying we love you. <laughs> that's us saying we love you. We really do appreciate it. The military, we appreciate, you know, those, you know, who we fight to defend that appreciate us, you know, and we still care for the ones that don't. So, man in a boo-boo, stick your head and do-do. We're, we're better than you, you. Well, the way I look at it is we can't win everybody anyway, so. Nah, whatever. you can't. You can't please everyone. And you're right about that, brother. Like, you know, doing your podcast and stuff that you do and me being an independent author and filmmaker, you can't please everybody. And you got to accept no. that. Like, somebody's going to listen to your show. And they'll be like, those guys, they're going to have something negative to say. The same thing when you put out any of your work. You know, when you put out your books, when you put out your films. There's going to be somebody that is going to be critical of it. And you got to have thick skin, uh, you know, in this business. And I think that's what the military and just my personality in general is like already prepared for. Like my feelings died fucking years ago in the military. So you cannot offend me and you cannot hurt my feelings like whatsoever. So come at me, bro. But you're right. Like you can't please everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. That reminds me of that tw- I, I hate to break the subject right now, but that reminded me of that Twitter post that you just posted, like, well, when was it? Last night or Friday night? It was, <laughs> oh, God, what was it? Super Mario Maker or Super Mario 2 or something. You're like, yeah, Super Mario 2 is the best game ever. Like, like fight me or something. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, Because I, my wife, believe it or not, my wife is, a Super Mario Brothers, like, old-school Nintendo all-star. Like, this chick makes me look like fucking, like, an idiot on it. And I grew up playing these games. Like, my wife is, like, the Mario master. And, like, we'll be sitting there drinking beers and playing it. And she'll, like, beat it, like, without losing a life, you know, going through our little time warps and shit. And she'll talk shit. And I'll be like, I bet, I, 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 I bet you can't whoop my ass at Mario 2. And she's like, well, Mario 2's trash. I was like, Mario tra- Mario 2 is the best fucking game ever. It's the best one in the series, hands down. <laughs> so that's why I put that, that post on Twitter, which no one's really fucking listening to me on Twitter. I mean, I'm a nobody. I have like 200 followers, maybe. And so when I put it up, I was just like, Super Mario 2 is the greatest game ever. Want to fight about it? And I think you liked it. So it, it was yes, funny. I did. I did. I, I definitely liked it because I was just like, man, that is so true. Super Mario 2 is where it's at. I don't fucking care either. It, it's an under, underappreciated game just because you didn't have your Goombas and your Flying Koopas and you're in a completely different world. But you know, as a video game kid growing up and still am, you know, I'm a big Nintendo Switch fan. I play it all the time. I absolutely love the system. You must um, like uh, Super Mario Ma- uh, Maker, is it? Super Mario Maker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, where you make the world or whatever? Yes. Yeah, where you make the levels? No, it's trash. I can't do that. My brain isn't that creative. I might be able to create horror stories and movies, but I can't design my own blocks to jump. You got to give that shit to me straight up. Like, tell me what the fuck up, and I'll go do it. Like, I just can't create my own levels. I never could. I can't even assemble a fucking Lego set, man. Like, I, I'm straight trash. <laughs> Speaking of Lego set, there's a Lego set I've been dying to have to get my hands on for like 10 years now and 
it's the uh vaulted edition called um Lego Haunted House or Lego it was like Monster Fighters or something like that, but it was like the haunted house that is now worth like five hundred dollars. It's fucking like gorgeous. And it's just like I love haunted houses and I love Halloween and stuff. I mean, I was born in October. I mean, you know, like nothing beats having old school Legos, but what a haunted house. It's just like, you know, I need it. One day I'll have it, maybe. Yeah. I mean Yeah. That's crazy. You're you're born in October, huh? Yep. October thirteenth. Nice. Most people don't know this about me and whoever's listening and has read my stuff or waiting on my films. I was born in October too. October thirtieth, Devil's Night. Woo! Hell yeah. That's my <laughs> you were so close. What's that? You were so close. I know, almost a Halloween baby, man. But I think Devil's Night's got a little bit more of a mischievous, you know, sinister sound to it. So I like claiming it. Well, see, see, so then we summoned the right devil then. See, like I said in the beginning, <laughs> we summoned the right devil, even though I didn't think we did. See? Yes, we did well. <laughs> I did well. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Crybaby Cry Bridge, you were saying, is about a uh, folklore in Louisiana. Um, so how, how did... Um, how did that even start with cry like to create the or to start making production for this uh crybaby uh yeah crybaby brid film there we go that film honest to god i'll tell you exactly how crybaby bridge started i was sitting in the office of, with a bunch of guys at work just bullshitting and we were talking about ghost stories and the i think everyone was talking about like crybaby bridge cuz Believe it or not, you can go like Google it or whatever. Almost every state has a crybaby bridge in it, an urban legend that surrounds this haunted bridge. Like, you know, majority of them are if you go out there and turn off your lights and honk three times, some lady in white comes out and flashes your boobs or something, and she runs into the woods. Or you go out there and you turn your car off and you know do whatever, and you'll hear children crying under the bridge. And we're talking about ghost stories, and then boom, in my crazy fucking mind. I just had a story of Crybaby Bridge, a, an extreme version of it, of what will happen if two friends went out there to investigate Crybaby Bridge and, you know, what would I, you know, what did I want to put a twist on it? So, a uh, Louisiana twist on it. So, I'm trying to make this film pretty, it's very shocking. Um, it's going to be very entertaining. Uh, we shot the very first half of it uh, about a month or so ago. Wonderful cast and crew, uh, yet again, uh, on that. So we can't wait to have that done. Hopefully, I'll have it to the composer who is out of the UK. His name is Nathan Michael. Uh, he goes by the name Lost Outrider as the um, you know music artist. So you can check him out on iTunes and Bandcamp and all that. Lost Outrider. He's going to be composing the film. So once the film, you know, we're really happy with it and we got a final cut of it. And we're saying, hey, this is what we want to show, you know, in the, you know, into the film festivals and online. Then I'm going to send it off for him to compose. So hopefully it'll be back before Christmas. Uh, if not, uh, it'll be sometime beginning of next year that you'll see Crybaby getting pushed out, you know, via, you know, social media and into film festivals. So very cool. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, like you've been, you said it even yourself. You're gonna have like a busy fucking year pretty soon with like what three movies, four movies underneath your belt soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll have two movies underneath my belt before the end of the year, you know, in post production, and then I'll be moving into January, February with a short film adaptation of Stephen King's Popsy uh, via the Dollar Baby uh, film project. So I signed a Dollar Baby contract with Stephen King, you know, to develop a, you know, film adaptation uh, of Popsy. And uh, those Dollar Babies are very unique. It's very, a lot of rules. So the only way you will see that film is if you go out into film festivals. That is the only place that they debut. That is the only place that you will see them uh, besides for a two minute trailer that will be online once the film, you know, gets ready to go into film festivals. So, and none of us, have the money to face Stephen King in court to do the wrong thing. So being military, we always do the right thing. I always do the right thing. So I follow the rules of it. So um, we're really excited about that as well, too, in, you know, next year. Uh, but we know it's a very limited audience that will ever see that, you know, unless we really knock the socks off Stephen King because he does see all of these Dollar Baby films. Now, if Mr. King sees it and gives a thumbs up and says, hey, you, get, you guys, this is so good. You guys can do this, this, that you know, put it out there, then you'll probably see more of it. But there's only been two successful Dollar Baby filmmakers was uh, Frank Darabont was one, one of them who did Shawshank Redemption after doing a Dollar Baby film project, you know, from Stephen King. When Stephen King saw his Dollar Baby film, he was like, I want that guy to direct Shawshank Redemption. And so he took it and did it. And there was another guy that I don't think is as well known as Frank Darabont, but it was another guy that career got kickstarted off the Dollar Baby um, project. So I'm hoping that happens with me. But majority of his, you know, the Dollar Baby films that King sees and even his books out about it, that they're complete shit. They're trash. Because any aspiring filmmaker or college student can make them. Uh, but um, I'm really excited about this one as well, too, as a Stephen King fan my entire life. So actually, you know, I can't give too much away about this film because I want people to get out and go see it in film festivals. But it's going to be very exciting. A lot of Easter eggs. There's never really been a specific area where Popsy takes place or said where it takes place, but there is a film that it is connected to. So we get to play with a lot of stuff. And I'm currently writing the script right now as like we speak. So the script should be done probably before Thanksgiving and we'll be casting December, January, probably filming in February just to get that you know, look that we want for the film. Because here down south, shit don't start to fucking die until like February because you're out here on Christmas flip-flops and a wife beater drinking Budweiser and, you know, riding four-wheelers. <laughs> well, so, all yeah, I'm going to say... A lot, going on, a lot with film. I'm really, I'm really... I have the mentality, and a lot of people that I know that are in this business are trying to have this mentality, or they do, or they're not doing enough. you got to be aggressive, man. You can't sit around. And you can't wait for people to discover you. Like, if you know you got something special, if you want them to see your passion, your drive, you know, your will to succeed and be excellent at everything you do. You got to go knock fucking people's doors down, man. You got to put yourself out there, you know, and you can't be scared to fail a little bit along the way. You know, failure isn't really failure to me. It's just a learning lesson. And um, I just keep moving on. You just got to go out there and knock people's fucking doors down. And that's, and, and what people got to understand, you just can't do it alone. That's why, you know, I recruit all these amazing people for these film projects and, and we go out there and we kick ass and we make really great films. And 
when these films are done, I would love to send it to you guys and gals over here at uh, Everything Par for a, a review of the film, as well as who wants it done. So. Nice. Nice. Yeah, no, the, the only thing I just want to say real quick is, like, I, I love Stephen King, too. I mean, he he's, he's on a roll putting out books, too. Like, man, like... Like he's getting ready to, I believe, put out another book again, even though he just came out with, uh, I think his latest one was uh, The Outsider. And there was a recent one that I completely, like, uh, you know, like it went over my head or something. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's just on fire and putting stuff out. And the only thing I just wanted to really say, too, is I just hope Stephen King, when they go into this, uh, film that you guys are going to be creating too for an adaption for his stuff is I hope he appreciates it enough to that he will approve it so others can see it like outside of the festivals and stuff because I mean sometimes where we are in the east coast we would have to drive three six hours away just to maybe go see it it, like at a festival is what I'm trying to say. So hopefully yeah. you guys do knock it out of the park and it would open up more chances of viewing, if that makes sense. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that would be great. We can we can all keep our fingers crossed and, and, and hope that, but you are correct, Mr. King is on a roll, you know, a lot of movies are coming out, everything. And um to me as a filmmaker, as a writer and everything, an author, what that shows me is that um, Hollywood is looking to one person. And there's there's several others out there that get their books picked up and everything and, and screenplays. But for horror and everything, they're looking just to Mr. King for, you know, a lot of his older stuff that they're finally bringing, you know, to, to the film. But there's other great stories and, and filmmakers and people out there they need to focus on as well, too, um, because there's so just much talent out there in the world. Like, for example, the guy who wrote The Martian, I didn't know it, but the guy self-published it up on Amazon. The Martian, he got he paid a damn good editor, put it up on Amazon, and got picked up for a film. You know, they're almost like a needle in a haystack that that happens, but it does happen. But by all these King films, you know, coming to Netflix and coming out, it's like they're only looking to one person for horror. And I understand because he is the master of horror. He came out at a time that, you know, was perfect, that set him up for the rest of his life, his whole family, everyone. And, you know, I ask this question to a lot of people and people like yourself and podcasters and everyone, you know, if Stephen King and Dean Koontz and a couple other ones came out now, started writing their manuscripts and their stories now, would they be as big as they are today? Because everything is so competitive. Like there's independent publishing that is huge. Self-publishing has like killed almost so much of the publishing like world. I mean, not to some of the big ones, you know, but it, it did affect, you know, the the literary world, you know, self-publishing and Amazon. And you can literally write down a story right now and have it published within 24 hours, you know, via the Internet. And, and it the, that world has changed. So I always like asking people that question. And I my answer is yes. I mean, because their stories are great. They would definitely get picked up. But I think it'd be a whole lot more competitive in this time. Speaking of, like publishing and stuff tech well i guess for, for i guess for this part of for the question that i'm gonna be trying trying to like per, uh portray here is i'm gonna just say that you have like two published works just to kind of make it sound like 
this make is gonna make sense for but for your personal take joe or um is like when you went with the uh you know your short story and then the one that you put out back in i believe it was december uh of last year yeah december 22nd 2017 was when you did uh blood in the woods did did you originally want to do just the physical book or did you um mainly wanted to do it digitally like i guess the question that i want to know is like do you prefer having a physical copy of your work or would you rather have a digital version of your work paperback paperback all day like um digital i mean blood in the woods you know is with my publisher hellbound books publishing and it's available you know like multiple formats like kindle Moby file like ibooks all that stuff and rougarou is only digital and um because it was only like a thousand words i think that would be like what two pages in a book almost not even a magazine page cover <laughs> so i would right. fit on probably one page in a magazine magazine um you know, if I ever wrote like a short short story compilation, like I would definitely, you know, touch upon Rougarou or maybe just throw it in there how it is, you know, spice it up a little bit. Um, I wish I had, you know, I wish I could retire and write two to 3,000 words a day, you know, three to four hours a day, and I could pump out novels like Stephen King because my brain is is very wild and creative and dark and and I got a twisted sense of fucking humor and I can, you know, I, I got a lot of ideas, but I really just don't have time right now for it. But as a reader personally, and as an, as an author, I, I like to see, you know, my, my fearless readers holding a copy of the paperback. It's more, I guess it's more fulfilling as a, as, as an author to see that, you know, and, and not saying anything bad about people who read, you know, Kindles and all that stuff. But, um, you know, if we ever lose books, you know, I think we lose like a part of history if everything goes to like, you know, just on a phone or on a screen. Uh, so paperback, a hundred percent. Bareback, if you want to live dangerously. <laughs> I actually enjoy physical copies of things versus electronically. Like I have like maybe one or two books on my tablet that I actually read, and the rest of my books are actually um, paperback or hardcover. I don't know. I just, yeah. I guess I like the physical stuff more when it comes to books. Well, I like it too because one, the formatting of actually doing a paperback, like an actual physical copy, I find it to be easier than trying to understand how to format an ebook. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still trying to even figure that out. Maybe one day I'll learn it better. But I mean, um, for those that, probably may or may not know but when tessa and i aren't doing the podcast we write ourselves like poetry anyway um we actually i published a couple of my works um that from amazon and woo and i got my lovely fiance actually to do her own book too that you can find on Amazon or woo-woo. We're actually still in the process of getting her hardcover book back on Amazon, but we just been so damn busy and forgetful, I, I, I guess would be the appropriate word that like, 
we just kind of just forget because, you know, we're just always doing something, either just dealing with wife or uh, trying to write and stuff. Like, Tessa's been working on possibly her second book uh, for over a year now, and she's still trying to figure out a title and a theme and stuff for that. And, you know, it's just like me. I'm trying to work on um, a new one called destroy and rebuild which i have a meaning for that where sometimes it is good to destroy yourself in order to rebuild yourself so that way you can get rid of certain things that you no longer wish to have like uh like have in your life like let's just say for an example like negative people like you know you're gonna break down yourself with by pieces i guess and then you're going to throw them away. And then when you rebuild yourself, you're rebuilding yourself because you want to better yourself. And the idea behind destroy, rebuild. And I'm just trying to take it into a different way, too. Because normally, as anybody knows, my writings can be goddamn dark. And sometimes it's always good to have that light in the darkness. Indeed. I will agree, though. Having holding your own work in your hand, though, I think it's just like, wow, I did this. Like, holy shit! Like, it, like it just feels really good. It just feels nice. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I self-published it myself because I know how sometimes some dis, uh, distributors work too, where. You, you know, you sign that contract and you no longer own your own work and stuff like that. And that just, to me, like, I want to stay away from. I mean, Joe, I know you had a, you found somebody, I believe. And, um, you know, it's just everybody, everybody's going to have their own, um, you know, their own way of wanting to do things, I guess. I guess if, to me, I'd rather own 100% of my stuff rather than give it to somebody. I mean, I for me personally, I'm not looking for the spotlight. I'm just throwing it out there so that way if somebody does come across it, awesome. If not, then I'm not too worried about it. There you go. There you go. I, 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 think, I think that's the answer for the question everyone has to ask themselves before they start putting pen to paper. Like, what am I in this for? Am I doing this for me? Or do I want to do this for more than just me. And I think that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. For me personally, I'm doing this more than just me. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for horror fans. I'm doing this for, you know, for me. And I want to just better my life. And I want to just keep trying and, until I do. And if I don't, at least I can be on my deathbed, not surrounded by the ghost of my dreams, saying that I didn't fucking try, that I gave up when I, when I shouldn't if I took my foot off the fucking gas close to the finish line. And, um, but at least you can answer yourself truthfully and honestly, and you don't have to worry about that. You keep it all to yourself. You push it out. You have to worry about giving your rights away or someone sort of controlling your stuff or doing whatever. And that's fine. It's just really what you want to do and what your dreams and what you want to accomplish are. So more power to you, man. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, I I asked somebody else the same question, too, about, like, do they prefer paperback versus the digital? And they said the same thing, but they also added, it's, it's so much better to support an author 
buy paperback than it is digitally anyway, because you guys get more through the physical versus the digital anyway. I don't, I forget how that works, but yeah, 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 but like for me right now, like being an author isn't what's putting food on my table. So I don't care if a million people go out there right now listening to this and buy the three dollar digital version of my novel. That's great. Go do it. I'm not in it for the money right now. That will that can come eventually. You have to start somewhere. And that's not saying if I ever make it to that point. But I think starting off as an indie as an author and you finally get published work out there, you gotta start somewhere. It's not just gonna come with time. I mean, it's going to come with time, success will, but you just can't think you're going to make millions or whatever overnight. And um, I think there's a saying out there, and a lot of authors say this, and I don't know why they do. And I think Jack Ketchum, I know he passed away. He was a great author, you know, wrote a lot of good stuff. I think one of his quotes was, you know, if you're writing, if you're becoming an author or a writer to be rich, then fucking quit because this isn't the job for you. That's a fucking <laughs> lie because why would you even – why would you even write the fucking book and want to have it published or sign contracts with anyone in the first place if you weren't trying to make fucking money? So that's just a bullshit thing in, its, in itself. So I don't believe in that. That that's kind of funny that you bring up the whole like the way I the, the way this is going to come out is trying to get rich. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I ended up uh, getting um. Uh, a couple phone call from publisher people and whatever, where they're like, well, uh, maybe you should change the uh, the book cover and maybe the name of it because it's like lame and blah, blah, blah. And then you'll get more money out of this. And then I told the guy, I stopped and I said, you know what? You don't even know the meaning behind the book cover or the title because if you knew that, then you wouldn't be asking me to switch it. Instead, what you should be asking me is, what does this book cover represent to me? What should this book cover represent to somebody who picks it up and looks at it and goes, huh, I understand this. Or, man, this guy, this person understands the struggles that I go through or something. Like, perfect example. And then I got another one is... um. So they saw my book cover for my uh, book called Enemy of Everything. And the book cover is me wearing a white shirt with fake blood on it. But to me, that me saying, or that bloody shirt, that fake bloody shirt is pretty much trying to say, I'm still standing even after all the battles that I've have done with my personal demon and whatever wife has thrown at me, and I'm still standing. I'm not kicked down in the dirt. I'm standing because I won. I stood up to my demon or at the time, and I won. You know, it's it's about conquering, conquering your demon so you can live to be better. Or, you know, you have um, some type of issue or something. Like, you know, like, it's just... It just pissed me off when I saw heard that. So then when it came time to do the latest book that I put out, which is called The White in the Darkness, I have a poem in there that I did called Rich. And then in quotation mark, it says not trying to be. Pretty much trying to say, like, look, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm only trying to do this to help 
those in need. I'm trying to be a voice for those that do not have a voice. And I'm trying to tell them, look, I feel you. I know what you've gone through with all your struggles with your demons and whatever. And you still may be facing them. But I'm not looking to do this for money. I am only doing this to help those that want to be helped or want a voice. So that way they know deep down inside that they are not alone. That's my statement. Drop mic. Mic drop. But, yeah, I mean, I never once when I went into self-publishing did I say, man, I hope I get, like, a thousand dollars a month doing this. No, 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 no. I could, I don't really care. If you get it, awesome. I mean, it's cool. I mean, trust me. Um, I love it. If I help you, that's even more awesome. If I don't, well, at least I tried. It's the way I look at it. Um... Tessa, do you have anything to ask Joe about his any of his books or films? How did you come up with um, your ideas for them, really? I'm kind of curious because everybody's different. Like, my, like, for example, my poetry, like, my first book that Paul convinced me to write that was um that was a poetry works that was like a collection of things from like me dealing with loss like the loss of my dad and um bad like relationships going bad so like heartbreak and then finding finding love again with paul and um, things like that. My second book is more of an approach of combination of things. Um, one would be like the light and darkness within us all and how we, um, how we deal with it and, um, how it make how we are as people and some how some of us allow the darkness to be more present in ourselves than the light and vice versa and some of us try to find balance between the two i think, I think the answer is how i do it is adhd i was diagnosed with adhd many 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 years ago and i am extremely hyper focused so i'll be fucking talking to somebody and I'll see somebody walking with a, you know, a baby stroller, like, down the street. And I'll be like, hey, you know, I wonder if a fucking werewolf, like, attacked that lady and ate their kids or whatever. Or my brain just went fucking crazy. And then, like, a story will come to me. Like, oh, I'm going to fucking write about that. I'm going to plot line that. And I go back and then I start doing it. And I get really hyper-focused and my brain starts going crazy. And I come up with this wacky, nutty story. And then I'm done. And then I go back to doing whatever else I got to do. That's how I do it. There's no, like... um I know when I'm, I'm going to come back on for the, the second part, like part two, when we talk again, we'll talk really about how I came up with the idea for Blood in the Woods and everything and how I plotlined it and the true stories behind it. Now that we'll talk about that, you know, in the next segment, but for, for my films and, and everything, you know, for Rigru, Rigru was a short story. Uh, Cry Baby was just a crazy, wacky story we were telling in the office and I had like a flash of lightning fucking hit me and I had the story with a beginning, a middle and an end and... I don't know where it comes from sometimes. It just randomly comes to me. 
I do it. That's not a bad thing. What's the terminology then when you have way too many ideas? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Batshit crazy, ADHD. I like that's what white people like to call me. Like my wife will legit be telling me about her day, and I'm like completely thinking about how like you know something else is going on in my brain that I could be writing about. I'm so horrible. I'm a horrible person. I just I should probably be listening and. But I'm too busy, like, my brain is, like, thinking about, you know, is the football game on at 7, or did I leave my keys in the car again? Oh, shit. Well, (laughs) I don't want to take up any more time, Joe, but there is one thing that I think I want to get out there real quick before we go into one, till that one day comes again for part two. And that is, you guys, you and your distributor are having so much of a hassle i i think is the correct word in here about trying to find somebody to do an audiobook for blood in the woods what can you like so people that are listening that may be interested in possibly helping you here would possibly the audiobook um even out of curiosity how many people have actually signed a contract and then backed out because they like you kind of put it they never read the book apparently so when it came to um, I don't want to say too much because I don't really know what's going on either, but uh, there's uh, apparently some graphic content, I guess, for lack of the uh, spoiler. And yeah, what's going on with that? Like, do you still need to find somebody? And if so, how would somebody like Tessa and I would just out of like just to give an example, be able to help you uh, get the audio book rolling? We've had two people that backed out of the audiobook version of Blood in the Woods. And, dude, if you're interested in doing it, anyone, you can go to, like, APX, like, audiobookexchange, like, .com or whatever. You can just type in anything. Just probably just type in audiobook.com or audition for audiobooks. And it's, like, the main one that everybody uses across America. And you go in, you type in Blood in the Woods. And there's a sample chapter for you to read. Well, I hate to say, within that sample chapter, it doesn't tell you shit about what this book is about and what readers are up to face while going into this, into this novel. So if you're interested in doing it, I'd recommend probably uh, reading the novel first. You know, try to read it on Kindle if you don't want to spend the $15.99 for paperback. But sort of know what you're signing up for. And I'm not taking a shot at narrators, but if you're signing up to read a horror novel, just think there's probably going to be some fucked up shit in there because you're in the horror genre that you got to read about and stop wasting people's fucking time and backing out. So if you don't want to read true horror, you know, and I'm not talking horror like vampires, well, the, the world is, has enough natural horror on its own. Um, yeah. If you don't want to read dark and disturbing content, don't fucking audition for a horror novel. Because I've had two great narrators and I heard their auditions and they were wonderful and they pulled the plug and we're still left with no one and we're still searching so if anyone wants to audition come take a shot at the title uh we need you i need you to tell this story because audiobooks are huge right now and um it and just come be a part of the darkest coming of age story of all time that's ever been written so um come join the team that's awesome and uh yeah so jp real quick uh for those that want to stay up to date especially possibly want to contact you more about the audiobook where can people reach you and find you on social media yeah feel free to reach out to me anytime uh by jp willie official 
at gmail.com. You can shoot me an email if you want to talk, bullshit, chat about the book, whatever. Uh, you can find me on IMDb. Uh, if you're looking for anything in regards to my film and work, uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, under Joe Willie, JP Willie author. I'm on Instagram, JP Willie official, and also Twitter. Uh, you can find me almost anywhere. So feel free to follow me, uh, send me a message, say hi. And that is me responding. So don't think I have some fucking assistant or something that does that shit. No, it's actually me. Like I said, I'm a fucking nobody. Like I'm just a guy, you know, trying to make a name for herself, you know, in the world of film and literature. So feel free to swing by and say hi. Well, you do actually have a name for yourself anyway, since you are a um, uh, veteran. And I mean, like I, like we said before, thank you for your service again. Um, means a lot to us because, you know, it's people like you that made us be able to do, you know, be I able have to our freedom. have our freedom and be able to do what we're doing right now and have a chance to even talk with you anyway. So it's, it's always a pleasure and Thank you for your service again. Can't express that enough. Yeah, thank thank you so much, and it's it was a pleasure being on. And don't thank me; um, it's my pleasure. And thank you guys and gals, what you do, you know, for us, you know, little guys, you know, swimming in a big fucking pond with some big fish, and we couldn't do it without you as well. So we appreciate you too. Well, we always love to help the uh, the smaller people because you know none of the big wigs want to help out the smaller fishes, so. Whatever. You know. I appreciate it, Paul. Man. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. And thank you again, JP. And we will definitely catch up again on part two, hopefully, <laughs> sometime soon. Um, and we'll definitely have to have you again. Maybe we can talk ghost stories or something for October. That sounds great. I'll look forward to part two. And thanks for having me, guys. Have a great night. You thank too. you, you as well. And for everybody listening, thank you for listening in. And as as always, stay, stay scary. scary.